Okay, let's pray. Father, we do come in the name of Jesus. Lord, we ask for Your aid now as we look into Your Word. and Lord, we pray that we'll be changed by the truths here. We ask that You give us understanding, empower us to make right application in our in our own lives and also corporately as a church, as, as uh, your Spirit, through the Apostle Paul, is speaking to a, to a church here in this, uh, in this book. So Father, again, as always, we pray that you open our ears. We pray that you grant understanding. Work these truths out in our lives for our good and for Your glory. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, 1 Corinthians 16. 1 Corinthians 16. I hope y'all have enjoyed this uh, book as much as I have. Cause of course, they're all good, but, it, but it's just... Uh, there's a lot of application here, a lot, a lot of you know, for for the church setting. And anyway, it's it's it's, yeah, they're all good, as I said. But, <laughs> but it's been a good good study. Um, we will read. Let's see. I'm going to read down through <clears throat> verse eleven. I'm sorry, verse fourteen. I'm looking at one through fourteen. 1 Corinthians 16, verse 1. Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I directed the churches at Galatia, so you also are to do. On the first day of every week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up, as he may prosper, so that there will be no collecting when I come. And when I arrive... I will send those whom you accredit by letter to carry your gift to Jerusalem. If it seems advisable that I should go also, they will accompany me. I will visit you after passing through Macedonia, for I intend to pass through Macedonia, and perhaps I will stay with you or even spend the winter so that you may help me on my journey wherever I go. For I do not want to see you now just in passing. I hope to spend some time with you if the Lord permits. But I will stay in Ephesus until Pentecost, for a wide door for effective work has opened to me, and there are many adversaries. When Timothy comes, see that you put him at ease among you, for he is doing the work of the Lord as I am. So let no one despise him. Help him on his way in peace, that he may return to me, for I am expecting him with the brothers." Now concerning our brother Apollos, I strongly urged him to visit you with the other brothers, but it was not at all his will to come now. He will come when he has opportunity. Be watchful. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong. Let all that you do 
be done in love. Amen. Well, um, this is one section for sure. You get into chapter 16, not, not only the section we just read, but all the way through chapter 16. This is one um, area where you see how, um, how personal this was. I mean, you, you see what this was originally. Um, it was a, a letter from the Apostle Paul to a congregation uh, at Corinth, or congregations at Corinth, uh, city, um, ancient Greek city. So you, you see that here. And I, I mentioned this morning that a couple things happening in, in the latter part of verse uh, or chapter 15 and then into 16. And what we, what we read this morning, chapter 15, he's shutting down his argument there concerning, um, concerning the resurrection and really kind of wrapping up uh, his, his uh, arguments all together. In fact, I think um, that's part of what verse 58 that we talked about this morning. He's probably looking back on everything he's said concerning all of these issues in, in, uh, in the instruction that he's given them and saying, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. So it's kind of a general ex- exhortation as he closes out his, his instruction and his correction. And now he's, he's just um, closing out the letter. You know, and and saying giving giving a, a few last uh, last words of instruction. So there there's we've kind of moved on. Not that there's not doctrine here, because there is there's doctrine here. But we've kind of moved on from the doctrinal issues, the main doctrinal issues that Paul's addressing, um, the controversial issues, and he's just instructing them. Now there are a couple things that I wanted to I wanted to kind of break this down two ways. Uh, in terms of what should be concerns or priorities for the local church, any any local church. Um, getting this, of course, from what Paul is saying here to the church at Corinth. But notice in, in uh, verse 1, the way he instructs the people of Corinth is by essentially saying, I want you to do the same thing that I told the people in the churches of Galatia. Uh, I want you to do the same thing that they that I instructed them to do. Um, so um, I'm going to break this down into two categories. First of all, caring for the poor, caring for the poor, or I guess to be more specific, caring for the poor saints. And secondly, um, what we would call in our day missions. In other words, just um, just helping in reaching the lost. Missions. Um, and I say missions. I know t- today, and, and that is what they're doing here because Paul is asking for help for him and for other workers. But I know today there are some that make a distinction between evangelism, regular evangelism, or regular church ministry, church work, reaching the lost, and missions. And they define missions as reaching the the unreached. I don't just mean lost, but people who ha- who have not heard the gospel before. I'm reading a book uh, now that, uh, if I could remember the title of it, I'd tell you. But but um, it, it, that that's the distinction the author makes and says, you know, missions should be defined as. I mean, this is, you know, I mean, you, you may disagree with this, or, but but uh, he, he in his view, missions should be defined as reaching the unreached. And he does point out, and I certainly do agree with this, is that that was Paul's big concern. 
He, he wants to reach the unreached. And I'll talk a little bit more about that, uh, Lord willing, as we go. So you've got these two concerns here that Paul is, that Paul is telling. He's instructing the Corinthian church to, to make priorities. First of all, caring for the poor saints. And then, secondly, uh, missions. Those aren't the only two concerns. Those aren't the only things that, that we should have you know, at the top of our list, however long our list is. But, but these are certainly two uh, very important ones. So the first one, caring for the poor saints. Again, he says, now concerning the collection for the saints. And what are saints? Well, believers. Believers. So he's talking here about taking care of other believers who, who need help in, in the sense of, of monetary help. You know, they need, they need um, provision, money. He says, so uh, concerning the collection for the saints, that's an offering. As I directed the churches of Galatia, so you also are to do. Now, this is a priority for Paul. In fact, let me go back to, uh, um, I should say forward rather, to the book of Galatians for a moment. I'll come right back, but turn with me if you want, I believe. Um, let's see. I have to find this real quick. Oop. Let me get in the right book first. Okay, Galatians 2, chapter 10. Now, what Paul is actually talking about here in Galatians 2 is his, um, is his meeting with the other apostles in, in Jerusalem, and they um, confirm the authenticity of his, of his ministry, give him the right hand fellowship and so forth. But he says um, down in verse 10, uh, only they ask us to remember the poor, the very thing I was eager to do. So he's speaking of Peter and James and the others. And he says, uh, verse 9, When James and Cephas, as Peter and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that was given to me, they gave the right hand of fellowship to Barnabas and me, that we should go to the Gentiles, and they to the circumcised, or the Jews, in other words. Only they ask us to remember the poor, the very thing, I was eager to do. So this is already a priority with Paul and with the other apostles. And specifically, um, what they have in view there, I think, is the, the uh, uh, P- Peter and James are, were elders at Jerusalem. So what they have in view there is the poor at Jerusalem, the poor saints at Jerusalem. And then, if you look over in the book of Acts, chapter 11... I think. Let's see. And let's see. Verse 29. 29? Yes, thank you. Um, let's go back to verse 27. Now in these days, 1127, Now in these days prophets came down from Jerusalem and Antioch, and one of them named Agabus stood up and foretold by the Spirit that there would be a great famine over all the world. This took place in the days of Claudius. Just, just a side note. Sometimes people want to say that the, his, the historic accuracy of the Bible is doesn't matter. That's not the important thing. You know, it's the good morals that we get from it. But the, but the, the Bible, 
when it speaks about history, it speaks clearly and specifically, and it does matter. I mean, if this didn't happen in the days of Claudius, like it says, then, then the truth of the Bible is in question, right? Just point that out, because the Bible does speak about specific events and specific time periods. So anyway, this is in the days of Claudius. So uh, the disciples determined everyone, of, everyone according to his ability to send relief to the brothers living in Judea. And they did so, sending it to the elders by the hand of Barnabas and Saul. All right, so they're caring for the poor. And again, it's believers first and foremost. Um, you know, I think Christians, we certainly have a responsibility to help uh, the poor in general. Um, and there are various ways, you know, as you know, of course, that, that we do that. But uh, but even before that, it's there's a, there's a responsibility upon us to help the poor believers. And in this case, um, for whatever reason, and and uh, other than this famine that's mentioned here, I don't know what else may have come into play. But the, the saints in Jerusalem were poor. You know, maybe they were suffering, uh, you know, being right there in Judea. Maybe they were also suffering uh, persecution in a, in a stronger form than, than other believers were. I don't know what all went into it. But um, Paul is giving instruction now to the churches, and he does this as, as a, basically a habit of the different churches that he's dealing with, that he's founding and dealing with, to care for those who are in need. And Corinth, by the way, was a, was a pretty um, affluent city. Um, you know, we talked about that some earlier on. So, sort of like the situation we live in. It was it was a uh, trade city. You know, there's a lot of commerce there and, and uh, uh, busy busy place, uh, affluent. So, so these these people are probably better off uh, than those in Judea. So, Paul says, here's what you do concerning the collection for the saints. As I directed the church in Galatia, so also. Are, are, so you also are to do. On the first day of the week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up as he may prosper so that there will be no collecting when I come. And when I arrive, I will send those whom you accredit by letter to carry your gift to Jerusalem. If it seems advisable that I should go also, they will accompany me. So Paul says, uh, and some of this is just pragmatic. I mean, he's saying, uh, I want you to have this done when I get there so, so that we don't have to do it while I'm there. But it's interesting he, that he mentions lay it aside on the first day of the week, which seems to imply um, that already they, they've established a habit of meeting on the first day of the week, which is like we're doing today. In fact, literally, the, the terminology here uh, is translated first day of the week, but it is literally the first, first one of the Sabbath. Uh, so Sabbath means seven. So out of the seven, the first one, first day of the week, first one of the Sabbath or of the seven. So apparently they they've already established a, a, a custom of meeting on the first day to celebrate Christ's resurrection. And Paul says it seems that Paul is saying since this is when you meet, this is your maybe they they probably met more, but this is your primary meeting when you, when you all come together. This is a logical time to. To gather money. Now, I do want to point this out because I think this is always important. This is a collection not for 
light bills, building grounds, you know, or, or uh, whatever, um, building funds. Um, those things came later in history. Um, the church's number one priority is taking care of people. I mean, in, term, in terms of our ministry here on earth, our number one priority is taking care of people. Various kinds, saved, lost, um, whatever it is, but taking care of people. So they're raising, and this is not tithes. He's not, he's not talking about, you know, bringing a tent into the storehouse. This is a collection for the poor saints in Jerusalem, and the money's going to the people, the people. Okay, um, and, and I mentioned a moment ago, I think we do have a responsibility to take care of all, uh, to, to serve. I don't want to be misunderstood when I say take care of, but to help. We have a responsibility to help anybody in trouble, but especially, especially other believers, all right? So uh, it's amazing. Um, you know, one of the things, and I don't know if this is our fault, the church fault, the church's fault, um, or, or if we're just getting blamed, you know, when, when we don't deserve it. But uh, one of the, the big arguments today about uh, the, the welfare programs and all is that, you know, these people, nobody will help these people if the government doesn't. I don't know if that's right or wrong, but, but uh, totally, but I, but I, you know, totally, but I do know this. There are a lot of charity organizations out there, church-based charity organizations that do a lot. And even some, you know, that aren't Christian. Uh, Joshua got into a situation up in Louisville, no, no insurance, had to go to the emergency room, and he went to a Jewish hospital. It was a huge hospital in downtown Louisville. <coughs> and uh, so this is not even a Christian <laughs> company. But it's a, but it's a charity-driven thing. And when it came time to pay the bill, believe it or not, you know, I was going to, believe it or not, they wouldn't let me. I was going to try to step up and help. And the lady, I talked to a lady on the phone and she was like, well, you know, he's over 18 and we can't, we can't send the bill to somebody else. And I'm thinking, you know, this doesn't make sense. I'm offering to pay the bill <laughs> and they don't want me to pay it, you know, because, uh, you know, it's not procedure or whatever. But, but then she said, but you know what? Here's what you should have him do. Tell him to, to uh, fill out an application for financial aid. And, and she said, uh, get him to turn that in, and, and in the meantime, we'll put his account on hold until we get an answer back. So Joshua did. And she's talking about within the hospital. You know, he filled out an application, turned it into the hospital, and they paid 100%. And that's just coming from donations, just coming from, from people out there uh, Apparently Jewish people out there because it's a Jewish hospital. But just coming from people who support the work of the hospital. Anyway, that, that's not even Christian. But the Christians do have that. We do bear uh, some responsibility in helping other people, and especially the saints. All right, so then um, next is, is the ministry, right? Missions specifically. Here we're talking about Paul reaching in his efforts to reach the world. He says in verse 5, I will visit you after passing through Macedonia. For I intend to pass through Macedonia, and perhaps I will stay with you or even spend the winter so that you may help me on my journey wherever I go. Interesting, by the way, you know, with all the conflict we've read about in this letter, you know, Paul wants to come and spend time with them and um, kind of exchange blessings, so to speak. I mean, he wants to come and help them, and he wants them to help him on his way. 
And he's not talking about blowing through. He says, uh, um, verse 7, For I do not want to see you now just in passing. I hope to spend some time with you if the Lord permits. I mean, this is a great, uh, I think, this is a great example of a pastoral heart. You know, Paul, Paul, Paul loved people. What drove him um, was, was his love for people and his desire to see, number one, see them be saved, and then to see them be conformed to the image of Christ. Be holy, like we were talking about in Sunday school this morning. So he says, I hope to spend some time with you if the Lord permits, but I will stay in Ephesus until Pentecost, for a wide door for effective work has opened to me, and there are many adversaries. So this is what he's wanting help for. He says, I want to come to you so that you can help me on my journey. Um, and, and, and it's to reach people. It's, it's all about missions. And he's telling the church, essentially, um, that they've got a responsibility to do this. Care for the poor saints in Judea. Send help there. And um, finance missions. Incidentally, we'll, we'll, we'll see in a little while that our, our mission giving increased some this past year. And I praise the Lord for that. Hopefully that trend will continue. Right? It'd be great. All right. Um, so... His desire is to go and spend time with him, uh, but he says, for now I'm going to stay in Ephesus because a wide door for effective work has been opened to me and there are many adversaries. And it's interesting, he doesn't say, you know what, it's time for me to get out of Ephesus because there are many adversaries here. <laughs> but he says, I need to stay because there's two things happening. Opportunity, but with the opportunity comes opposition. And that is, uh, a lot of times, that's, that's the way it works. Get opportunity opens up, but it won't usually be without some kind of opposition because uh, Satan is definitely at work. And if you go back uh, and, and, and read in, in Acts where Paul goes in, first goes into Ephesus, these people, this, this is the home of the temple of Diana, the great goddess, you know, Diana. And they were just beside themselves. Uh, thinking that Paul is going to destroy the whole, which of course he would if he hung around and a lot of people, the Lord saved a lot of people, right? But that, Paul's going to destroy the whole idol industry there. And so they just, uh, you know, gathered a mob and, and just about went crazy. And so, yeah, opposition was, was pretty strong there. But Paul wants to stay. He wants to stay there and preach the gospel. So he's, he's, um, he's needing help. And then he asked for help for Timothy. When Timothy comes, see that you put him at ease among you, for he is doing the work of the Lord as I am. So he's essentially saying, welcome him, respect him. In fact, verse 11 says, let no one despise him. Help him on his way in peace, that he may return to me, for I am expecting him with the brothers. So again, what he's saying is support, support um, the missionaries, those who are doing the missions effort. And in our day... Um, you know, there's a lot of ways that we do this, and, and uh, I, I, I thank God for that. I mean, you know, literally, I'm glad that, that we have all the, the avenues that we have. On the other hand, it does sometimes get a little bit impersonal. You know, when you're, when you're given, like the cooperative program, Southern Baptist Convention is a great thing, but when you're, when you're putting money into the cooperative program, um, it's not very often that you... you actually see the faces and hear the names of 
the thousands of missionaries that are out there, right? I mean, if you give, you give 10 bucks to the cooperative program, okay, that goes into a pool of money that supports thousands of missionaries. I don't know what the current number is, but there's a lot of them out there. And so it can be a little impersonal. So my own philosophy is, and, and y'all were doing this too already before I even came here, so apparently that's been your philosophy for a while. But my own philosophy is do both. You know, get involved with some of them personally, and, and then also support uh, the big efforts like that. And occasionally you get to meet somebody. I was sitting in McDonald's in Minden. Um, that was one of my offices when I was over there. And I would you know, go in every day and study for a while early in the morning. And uh, I was sitting at a table reading one day, and this guy walked up to me, and he said, uh, he said, excuse me, he said, I just wanted, to, just wanted to speak to you, he said, because it's really rare to see somebody sitting in public reading a Bible. And he said, I just, you know, wanted to say something to you. And, and, and so we, we got to talking. Well, he was a missionary with the International Mission Board, and, and he was here on uh, furlough or, you know, or maybe a short-term visit. But he, and, and he was staying with uh, uh, First Baptist of Menon was putting him up in a house. But he's a missionary in the Czech Republic. Uh, his last name is Johnson. I, I had him on the board for a while, but I think I, 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 I neglected to uh, keep updating that. They, they still send me newsletters. But uh, anyway, I, I really enjoy that because I, now thinking, you know, we, we give money to the mission board and I don't know anybody out there. So here's, here's this guy and his wife and his kids and I got all the uh, names and faces to put with it. It's, it's great. You, you know, I mean, you see somebody that is actually living. Uh, in fact, he told me, I, I invited him to uh, Germantown to speak and he came and he spoke at Germantown. But, you know, he said, we, we're, we're on salary with the International Mission Board. I mean, he said, we're not allow, even allowed to ask for money. You know, they don't let us do that. He said, we just go and give reports. And so uh, when, you, when, when we give to the cooperative program, that's, that's what happens. Missionaries out there are, are getting paychecks. Uh, and this guy was in a, a very hard area, too spiritually hard uh, in the Czech Republic. They, it's, a, you know, it's like living here in terms of modernization. I mean, it's not like he's out in the jungle or something, but it's, it's still holdover from the old USSR. They are atheistic. And, and he said, uh, the way he explained it to me, very, very hard in terms of hearing the gospel. They just think it is utterly foolishness and that if you believe that stuff, you know, something's wrong with you. And so, uh, anyway, it, it, they're still there, as far as I know. And, and, uh, and he was also a, a uh, you know, reformed believer. Uh, so, very interesting. But, Paul is saying, here's another responsibility, all right? Support the missionary. Support the poor saints. Help them. Send them help and help the missionaries on their way, which here is himself and his company and Timothy and the brothers. And then he's also going to mention Apollos, although he's saying Apollos is not coming now. He says in verse 12, Now concerning our, our brother Apollos, I strongly urged him to visit you with the other brothers, but it was not at all his will to come now. He will come when he has opportunity. Um, let me just say real quick, I, I think that... Uh, I was looking at this and thinking about it, and I found this interesting. Because if you go back to the, the beginning of the book, and he's saying, you know, you've got these divisions among you, and he's rebuking them for that. And he's saying, some say I'm a Paul, some say I'm a Cephas, some say I'm a Paulus. And you get to the end here, 
And he purposely brings up Apollos and Timothy, who he didn't mention earlier on, but still he's another worker, and the other brothers. And it seems like to me that Paul is, is emphasizing the solidarity here. I mean, he, he's emphasizing the unity. We're all on the same team. So he's saying, look, help me. Help Timothy. Help Apollos when he gets to you and the other brothers. And there's no, there's, in, in Paul, from Paul's perspective, there's no rivalry here. Like, hey, y'all should be helping me, <laughs> you know. And uh, Apollos is on his own. No, he says, I encourage Apollos to come to you, and he's going to come when he has a convenient time. And, and this is one of the very ones he mentions when he's talking about the schisms. So there are these divisions in the church. You know, I'm of Paul, I'm of Apollos, and, and it just seems like me, Paul is, is showing them here. We're, we're, all, we're all on the same team. We're all co-workers. Now, he, he ends with a, Exhortation, which we will hear too in the next few minutes, Lord willing. Verse 13, Be watchful. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong. Let all that you do be done in love. Well, that's a great exhortation. And it's, Notice the similarity. You look back at verse 58. Therefore, in chapter 15, Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. So there he says, you know, you don't want to be, you don't want to be moved, you don't want to be, um, uh, you know, not like we were talking about this morning, shaken, under assault. You want to always be involved in God's work. Here, he just says it differently. Be watchful. Now be awake. Be alert. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. I like that phrase. Um, the old, if you're looking at King James, it says, Quit ye, quit ye like men. Act like men. It's interesting because he's just given us a whole book of how to act. And now he's telling them, here's, here's what you've got to do. You've got you to stand firm in these things. You've got to watch and just be alert, be awake. And you've got to be strong. You've got to act like men. Take your responsibility, I think, is basically what he's saying there. And probably uh, speaking specifically to, uh, he's speaking specifically to the, the Christian brothers here. Take your responsibility. Do what God's called you to do. Your God-given responsibility. Stand firm in the faith. Men, you know, take, take the spiritual leadership role in your household because that's what God's given you to do. Be the, be the provider that you're to be. Both ways, naturally and, and spiritually. I mean, naturally, you provide for your family. You know, you... you Bring home the bacon, so to speak. Spiritually, same thing. You make sure the family's fed. The primary responsibility for that falls on you. I'm not saying women don't have any responsibility in either one of those things, but the primary responsibility falls on a man. I had a guy ask me uh, recently, he said, what if uh, he, he, I don't remember the whole scenario, but he was talking about somebody new, and he said, you know, they're, they're talking about getting married and, and uh, he was concerned about him. You know, they're talking about getting married, and this guy don't even have a job at the moment. And he asked me something about it, and I said, 
Tell him don't get married. <laughs> don't get married until he's got a job. And then we got into this discussion. Another brother said something about, well, what, suppose the woman has a good job and she makes a lot more money than he does. That's great. That's fine. It's just that the responsibility is not on her. You give me the, the same scenario, you know, this couple's about to get married and she don't have a job. Well, fine. But when he don't have a job, that's a problem. That's a problem. It's, it's his responsibility, primarily, to provide for the family. She wants to work, that's great. Um, you know, they work it out between them, that's great. But that responsibility is not on her in the same way. There may be circumstances where he needs help, and, and that would, and, you know, and she may would chime in, but that's, that's a different deal. Primary responsibility is on the man. Now I would say the same thing spiritually. Certainly the woman has a responsibility to, to uh, feed the family spiritually, you know, and, 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 and boy, there are a lot of ladies in this church that, that are, are great at that and, and playing that role. But primarily, primarily the responsibility falls on the man. It's the man's responsibility to make sure that his family's getting fed the Word of God, to make sure that his family's getting the kind of Christian fellowship that they need and so on and so forth. So Paul says, act like men. Act like men. Boy, this is something that society needs to hear, <laughs> hear today. In the church and outside of the church, act like men. Act like men. It's not, you know, probably wouldn't get far with it outside the church, but something that we, we need to hear inside the church. So he says, be watchful. That is, be alert, be awake, stand firm in the faith. Again, like we saw this morning, be steadfast and movable. Set yourselves, be established, act like men, be strong. Maybe that's a, a, a way of further expounding on act like men. Maybe, maybe it's a, a, a distinct thing, but either way, be strong. Be, he might just mean there, be strong in the faith uh, for everybody. But then in verse 14, he, he, uh, he sums it up. Nails it. Let all that you do be done in love. That kind of puts you in mind of chapter 13, doesn't it? Remember chapter 13? We're right, right there amongst uh, Paul straightening them out on, on what it means to be spiritual and, and, and straightening them out in their views concerning the spiritual gifts, the operation of the gifts, and the purpose of the gifts. He pins what we call the great love chapter. And he goes back to that concept here. And I think that sort of defines everything we just read in, in verse 13. In other words, be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong. All of that's got to be done in love. So, for example, when I say men, <clears throat> take your role as head of the household. You know, and do, you know fulfill your responsibility. I, you know, I'm, I'm, you don't... Go in there and slapping the wife around and say, I'm taking my role instead of <laughs> No. No. Do it in love. Do it all in love. Be watchful. Stand firm in the faith. In love. In love. I mean there are ways to do all of that in love. I mean we, we are, again, getting back to the this every Christian, but again more especially in the in the in the families, more especially the husbands. 
we are to guard against things like false doctrine, right? When, when, we're, when we have all that stuff attacking us, and it does constantly. But even that kind of thing is, is to be done in, in love. I mean, you know, we don't, we don't have to uh, attack other people in, in kind, you know, the same way they do us. We, we respond in love. Be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong. Let all that you do be done in love. Support the saints in Jerusalem. Why? Out of love. Out of love. Because they are brothers and sisters in Christ. Pray for the brother in Afghanistan that may be executed soon. Pray for his family that's back here in the States and begging for his life. Why? Because they're brothers and sisters in the Lord. Send money or give money, like Paul's instructing the Corinthians to do here. Give money, send money to, to Christians who are in need. Pray for missions. Support missions. Getting the Gospel out to people who haven't heard. Out of love. Out of love. That's what was driving Paul. He said in one place that he's constrained by love. He wanted everybody to be reconciled to God through faith in Jesus Christ. So he's exhorting them to do what he is exampling. Do all of these things and do them in love. Let's pray. Father, again, we thank You for Your Word. And Lord, uh, again, we ask that You show us how to apply these various instructions that we've just read here and, and also especially these exhortations to be steadfast, to be watchful, to be loving in, in all of those things and, and everything else that we do so that we may reflect Your character and so that we may bring glory and honor to Your name. And we ask all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen.